All right. Well, welcome, Pursuit. Really glad to do another podcast for you. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about hearing from the Holy Spirit, which is one of the things we're doing our prayer uh, sermon series that I think some a lot of people were asking this question, uh, texting back and forth. And it's something I really wanted to talk about, but it didn't feel like it really lended itself well to a sermon. So I'm going to go through some uh, content here about hearing from the Holy Spirit. And I invited Aaron and Megan from our staff just to sit in and be the peanut gallery. So hey, hey. Uh, hey friends. I, I didn't ask either of you to prepare anything, but <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> feel free to just make fun of me or shoot holes in what I'm saying or share something serious from your own life. That would be preferable. Uh, you know, I feel like Aaron, especially like a lot of people don't know who you are yeah. yet. Yeah. We've only hired you a couple months ago. And so this also is a good chance for people just to get to know a little bit about who you are and your personality. And uh, we've had really a lot of fun in our staff meetings lately. Just really enjoying being a team of four. And, <clears throat> you know, for the... A lot of fun, a lot of distractions, <laughs> however you want to say it. Yeah, Maybe fun for me and you, Mark. But for <laughs> Megan, I, probably the last two months of productivity in staff meetings has, has just nosedived. And so. No, it's good. <laughs> She's the one that keeps us on track. That's I, right. I definitely <laughs> still have that youth pastor gene where I'm like, let's enjoy ourselves. And uh, just to, uh, I don't know, for the two people who are probably listening to this <laughs> at some point, uh, we're about to hire a fifth staff member. We can't really Woo-hoo! talk about it just yet, yeah. but in another week or two, we'll probably be able to introduce yeah. that person as our uh, children's pastor. So I am uh, pumped to have a staff of five. Now, they're all, most of our staff are part-time, which, which is not ideal and we're in the middle of a pandemic so it's kind of hard for us to you know be doing things as normal but i'm excited for what will come of that anyways so today's content i've just prepared some things to sort of talk through and you guys can feel free to break in and have conversations around your your personal experience um, or things that you've learned in your own personal prayer life i think a lot of people have this question of like you know, how do I know when I hear something from God, if this is coming from me or coming from, you know, uh, (coughs) excuse me, that's not awesome. Coming from the enemy, right? You feel like sometimes your own thoughts are like negative and maybe they're like related to the enemy in your life. Or um, maybe even they're like residually left over from like people in your life who have spoken over you or said things about you. Um, and I think it's a really important question to talk through because some a lot of people will use this phrase, you know, the Lord told me to do this or he spoke to me about this. And I just never know how to handle that when someone says that. You know, I personally have never heard the Lord speak audibly to me. I don't know if you guys have had that experience. I've heard people tell me that they've felt that, like the Lord spoke audibly to them. Uh but that hasn't been my experience, and I don't actually think there's a a ton in the New Testament that would even support the idea of God speaking audibly to you. It happens in the Old Testament, um, but in those situations, it's like the Lord spoke to Moses, for instance, and then the Holy Spirit came upon him, and then he didn't need to really speak very much more audibly. Mm-hmm. That there's a spiritual thing happening here, and I think people are like, I don't really know how to know if this is coming from God or not. Have you felt that tension before, either of you? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, for the average person, Scripture is not only a difficult thing to navigate and interpret and understand and even you know apply to your life, 
but it's also this like constant battle of trying to reconcile what what do I need to like incorporate literally and what is you know just good learning what is like helping formulate like a theme or a meta theme within scripture things like that and you know listening to God hearing God is one of those things where is this a literal audible like conversation like we're having with the three of us or is it more of like a feeling you know talking about a gut feeling I hear it in my heart you know like that's kind of how we frame it right right and so uh it's one of those things that's not uh there's no like textbook on how to do it there's no manual uh it's different for everyone and so it's more experiential like what does that look like for you right right um so yeah, so I think that you know my experience has probably been similar to your guys' experience as well when it comes to hearing God, hearing the Holy Spirit speak. It's I haven't experienced a situation where I've like heard God's voice speaking words to me that I could understand him in the English language, you know. Sure. Um but that doesn't mean that God doesn't speak. Yeah, okay. So today I kind of wanted to start with some theology because I feel like we get off track when we start talking about God when we don't start from the same, uh, like, foundation. So I wanted to give a couple terms, and well, at least one term, and talk about what it means. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about the nature of God, our posture as people who are in prayer, and then God's way of speaking before I get to the conversation of how do you actually discern if this is the Holy Spirit. So to me, the conversation begins with understanding that as believers, specifically at our church, the theology that we believe, the stuff we believe about God, that's what theology essentially means. We come from a place where we believe that God still is active and his spirit is active in our world. There are a lot of people, I grew up around some of them, who are called cessationists, right? So this is, these are people who believe the Holy Spirit uh, worked in Jesus's time. It worked during the the establishment of the church in Acts. Once Jesus, his spirit was given to believers, the church was established. God didn't need miracles any longer because those miracles were meant to give sort of um, credence or uh, I guess like to to validate the church as it was beginning. Uh, Once the Bible was done being written, they believe that the Holy Spirit stopped working at that point the way that we see in the New Testament, and we were given the Word, and now the Word is the thing that guides us, and we don't have the need for the Holy Spirit to be actively doing miracles or uh, active in the same way that it was in the first first century, first church. Um, now, these people would still believe that God's Word is all they need to be able to discern what God's will is, and they still believe the Holy Spirit is obviously active, but they'll think about the Holy Spirit active in the way that it would help them essentially be holy, or like transform them over time as they uh, give more and more to the Holy Spirit. We are not those, we don't believe that. We believe that the Holy Spirit is still active. All the gifts are active. Every gift that was there in the New Testament is still there now. And this puts us in a weird spot sometimes because that means we do believe that God miraculously heals, Mm -hmm. that he speaks to us spiritually, that, um, you know, some of the larger gifts, I mean, Jesus essentially said, hey, it's a good thing that I'm leaving. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. So he, he said, you want the Holy Spirit in your life. It's better than me being physically here with you, which is an intense thing. I'm sure the, the disciples were like, uh, definitely not. No, <laughs> no we, we kind of like you, <laughs> right? Don't go. Yeah, like, like, please. Uh, and so... 
<clears throat> he said we would do even greater things than than him. That there would be possibilities that there were things he didn't even accomplish or do that would still be available to believers in the future. And um, and some of those people would still say, well, God uses miracles, like for instance, when He's establishing the church in a new place, like you know, uh, Albania. I, I went to Albania a couple times, and they they were essentially like um, communist and had no religion at all for fifty years. And when the church finally broke back into it as communism fell, there were miracles everywhere. And people would say, well, that's God establishing his church and using miracles to give it the um, authority that it needs. The street cred. Right. Yeah. And that's a limited view of God. I would actually say, and this is, it's not, it's not cynical to say this, but I would say God doesn't work in miracles as often in the United States because we're just really busy and crowd out the spirit and -hmm. don't ask God to do things. We don't believe that when we pray, he'll do things. And we let our busyness take over. And then we don't hear anything from God. We don't do anything on God's behalf. We just go through the motions of doing religion. Mm -hmm. Right. So we believe the Holy Spirit's completely active still. All those gifts are still there. It's important to start with that foundation because you may still be wondering, like, does God heal? Mm -hmm. Is, can I, what happens when I pray? Like, is that a thing? Like, is he, <coughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm having trouble today. Um, is he still active in the same way that he was in the first century? And the answer is yes. Right? Yeah, I think, you know, when I've talked with people about this topic, one of the refrains that I hear is, or I have heard is, you know, people will say, well, maybe I haven't heard the Holy Spirit speak because the Holy <coughs> Spirit doesn't speak. You know, mm-hmm. that essential uh Assumption needs to be understood first. <laughs> you know, uh, why why do I listen for something that isn't going to be spoken? You know, kind of a thing. So, no, I think that's great. Yeah, I think Mark, you hit it on the head that we're so busy that we. I mean, how many of us sit and just listen? Like, mm-hmm. actually have that up as a part of our prayer life to just sit and listen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in here later when I start talking about posture, but like, I don't think it's part of the rhythm of a lot of people. No. I think what prayer gets boiled down to a lot of times in people's lives is it's me asking for stuff and it's me asking why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, think about a relationship that you'd have with a real person mm-hmm. where all you did was ask him for stuff and ask him why. My parents. Well, that's essentially you as a four year old. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially you as a little kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll actually come back to that in a minute, but, um, Let's talk about what do we know about Jesus and God and how he relates to us. And I think understanding prayer starts with understanding that God is essentially relational. Okay, we've boiled them down to a bunch of rules, and we boil them down to go through the motions, do the junk, you know, show up at the time, uh, give the money, you know, serve the needy, and we've taken the relationship with God out of it. And I, honestly, that, that's a clean, like, thing. You, like, I... I can check off the things yep. that I did. I followed the rules. I did the stuff. This is true about you if you're like a Baptist, if you are if you came out of the, the Lutheran church, if you came out of the Catholic church. Even if you're um, kind of a holiness charismatic, there's often times where we get too rules-based, mm-hmm. too religion-based, and that's like the shadow side of most of these, these movements. Now, they're beautiful. These movements are beautiful. And in reality, there are tons of faithful believers who are living this way, but... I think a lot of us were okay with religion because it's like neat and tidy and yeah. it's a box. I feel like checking things off of a list. Yeah. It's great for me. I'm task oriented. <laughs> I want to know the boundaries. 
I want to have the checklist, like, know what to do, what I sh- shouldn't do. Um, but we just can't boil it down that far. Well, we I think it, all of it. in our country, too, there's kind of this notion of moral confidence that church provides. Like, mm. if I go to church, if I, you know, give regularly, uh, not only am I checking that box, but I feel pretty good about myself. I feel pretty good yeah. as a believer, as a Christian, as a religious person. Um, you know, we've had this conversation many different ways, you know, in the last couple of months, but, uh, the pandemic, the last year has kind of forced Christians into this really uncomfortable spot of mm-hmm. realizing like, oh my goodness, my faith should be so much more than these yeah. things that I'm so desperately missing, like mm-hmm. being in person at church or, you know, doing, going through <laughs> the motions of my, my normal faith. And so I think like, part of what's so important about this conversation of listening, how to listen to the spirit. What does that sound like? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Is it's sort of a, it's God beckoning us back to a very foundational posture of a relationship. Like any relationship is built around interaction and communication. And if you don't know how to even do something so basic as listen <laughs> or hear, um, the, you know, it makes total sense why there's a we, lot of Christians that are so uncomfortable right People now. are terrible at listening. <laughs> yeah. We could do a whole other podcast, do 10 episodes on how to be a listener. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so I want you to think about, like, if, like, I don't know where you're at. Like, maybe you're in the car. Like, maybe you're at home. You're doing something in the kitchen or whatever. Uh, this is where I listen to my podcast. But <clears throat> imagine Jesus sitting physically in the room with you, right? Like, I'm looking at a conference chair. If Jesus was sitting at this table with the three of us and I asked him, you know, a a direct question, uh, can you imagine him just not responding at all? I think that's people's experience when it comes to prayer. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to ask Jesus a question. And then I feel like he didn't respond at all. Mm -hmm. And, I want you to know that God is relational and that is a ridiculous premise that that would be what Jesus would do if he were physically in the room with you. Now, theologically, the way that we believe, the thing we believe about God is that he is everywhere. He is in us. If we have the Holy spirit, if you're a believer, the Bible tells us that we are indwelled with the Holy spirit, that, that we can communicate with God on a spirit level that he might as well be sitting in the room with us. But then we ask a question and we feel like he's silent. There could be a whole nother conversation about why God might be silent in our lives, our own sin, unforgiveness. There are things that put our barriers between us and God sometimes that are in our own lives. But assuming you're a faithful person, you're asking a, a, a question that is fair, and you're asking Jesus directly. I don't believe that he responds with nothing because mm-hmm. he's relational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And <clears throat> I think if people reframe that idea that like what kind of – turd would you be <laughs> if if someone asked you a direct question and you just ignored him you just turned around and walked out of the room or you just acted like it, just you just kept going just went right past yeah. the question like yeah we don't do that to each other yeah i don't believe that jesus does that to us i mean i try not to do that to people <laughs> there have been times <laughs> we've been meaning to talk to you about it. yeah it's been a problem um <coughs> wish i could stop coughing i'm sorry about that um and so i i think it starts with understanding that all the spiritual gifts are active, that God is a relational God, and he desires to connect with us on a relational basis. So your question is, well, why is it totally silent when I ask a direct question? So that's a little bit like 
kind of how I want to look at this and talk about this. First, I want to talk about posture. What's really clear in Scripture, in Jesus' teaching in the Old Testament, it's a theme that goes all the way throughout Scripture, is that God rewards people who seek. It is legitimately the reason why our church is called Pursuit Community Church. We pulled that right out of Jesus' teaching, that if you seek, you'll find. If you ask, you'll you know, you'll find, like, if you knock, the door will be open to you. Like, those are the things that it's a posture of being in a seeking mode that God meets those people. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think often we aren't in that mode. And then we think we're just going to turn this on, ask one question, and then receive an answer. And in reality, we, we're... We're about as far away from God as we could be. We flip on a switch and we pray, and then we don't hear anything. This is me putting up air quotes. And then we go, well, God must not care. He's not there. Mm-hmm. And that is a super-duper unfair thing. Sure. That if we're in a relationship and we're tending that relationship and we're seeking after after God, then he speaks to us. Yeah. This is what, this is what Scripture lays out. Um, and he rewards those who are in the posture of seeking, those who continue to ask about whatever it is that they're trying to find the answer to. Um, doesn't it, doesn't it feel like, to your point, that we treat communication with God like Google? Like God's a search <laughs> engine, and it's always going to be there, and whenever we have a question, we just type it in and click search, right? But you know, essentially what you're getting at here with this topic, and even with laying out that theological foundation of, of how this works what we're trying to establish or just acknowledge, help everyone who might be listening to this understand maybe for the first time is that it's not a search engine. It's, I mean, God has the power of Google and much more, <laughs> uh, FYI. But not asking. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he surpassed Yahoo a long time ago. Is um, like dog pile or <laughs> <laughs> no? But I, it's it's the the that imagery of of relationship of someone in the room with you that you can talk to and converse with, and it's a back and forth. Um, but where where it gets difficult is, and I I love that image of that you're saying like, well, Jesus, you know, how awkward would it be if someone like you ask him a question and didn't say anything back? Like the problem here is that. We we have such varying and different ideas of what like conversation is and what it looks like and how it works. And maybe that's part of the reason why we have such a hard time hearing from the Holy Spirit is we're just not used to having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So. And I think sometimes we have those preconceived notions of how he will answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he doesn't answer in the way that we're expecting it, um, then we don't hear it or don't see it or... Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the New Testament, the times that Jesus was asked a question, very rarely does he answer immediately just with a clear-cut answer. Like, he tells a story. Um, he asks another asks question. Another yes. question. Yes, like, famously. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, I don't know. I can't think of an example right now that he's like, oh, that's your question. Here's your answer. Just mm-hmm. It's like spiritual jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. Like, totally. he, he wants to dialogue. Yeah. And he wants to explain, not just answer yeah i mean you could use the analogy of like a married couple like me and my wife if uh there's a question posed between the two of us and we are talking about a health conversation not a fight or anything like that uh rarely is that like conversation just that cut and dry like one question one answer it's a back and forth and you know family of kids like 
that conversation could start around the breakfast table and may not finish until like that night after the kids are in bed or like, mm-hmm. I think it's that same way or a similar way with God, with the Holy Spirit of, we expect the search engine engine to, you know, spit out an answer mm-hmm. just like that. Right. But really it's the conversation piece too. Yeah. Modern piece. technology has kind of ruined us yeah. to like working through and seeking out. <laughs> like, <clears throat> like I tried to explain to my kids the other day, like, I used to have to go to a building and like search through thousands of books and then pull something <laughs> off a shelf, which by the way, there was some sort of stupid Dewey decimal system that these were all organized and then flip open that book and then hope that somebody had written an answer to the question that yeah. I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like now it's like, you know, and boom, it's yeah. 4 billion oh, results. Totally. I, it's I all have, garbage anyway. <laughs> like yeah. It's all some idiot in their basement doing stuff. We had, uh, I remember my family growing up, we had this one entire bookshelf dedicated to our Encyclopedia yeah. Britannica. Yep. And like, um, I mean, what is the online equivalent to that now? Like Wikipedia. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, Where you can go do like pranks all the time. Yeah, I even stuff. had this experience like a couple of weeks ago. I was down in our basement and I was going through some boxes and I found I have these like bins full of like my books from like college and seminary. And mm-hmm. like some of them are like just books that I've bought and read. Uh, but many of them are like textbooks and like concordances and like all these like technical old school like ministry Bible stuff. And I was like, oh, I should bring those into, like, my office. And I was like, no, I shouldn't have a computer. Like, <laughs> why, do, why would I want 50 yeah. books? I don't need I that. I felt weird about getting rid of, like, four boxes of, like, ministry books. Yeah. But I was like, it's legitimately all available online. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what I need this for. I'm not referencing any of these. I'm not rereading them. If I could give them away, I would. But, like... Yeah. Nobody wants to read a book from 1995 about, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not. So we're, like, simultaneously ripping how, like, technology has, you know, negatively affected our faith. And at the same time, we're like, yeah, no, technology is great. Aaron, the difference, the difference is we apply that Google thing to our relationship with God. And we go, hey, I typed in this stuff. I hit the button. And it didn't come back with 4 billion results. It came yeah. back in a different language. It came back confusing. <laughs> it was an empty page. Yeah. Right? And that's how, that's how we're looking at, at God. And I just want to say, like, the posture is to continue seeking. Like, if I really need an answer from somebody, I'm not going to leave it alone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going and keep asking until I get an answer from them. And I feel like th- we don't, we just don't do that anymore because we're applying kind of like 21st century things that yeah. have ruined us to our relationship with God. I also think that there is a spiritual maturity issue at play. And I want you to think about this. This is a, I think it's an Andy Stanley uh, illustration, but the way that you talk about, for instance, sex with your children as a toddler, as a nine-year-old, as a middle schooler, as someone who's about to uh, get married, as somebody who is in the field of sexual reproduction and has a doctorate, each one of those situations, you're going to tailor the message to the person. I hope so. Right, so like, I'm not gonna talk to the doctor, you know, with yeah. like as who's a taught like the toddler gets the toddler's version, the middle schooler gets the middle schooler's version. I also think God speaks to us, uh, depending on our spiritual maturity, in ways that you know, uh, it, it changes based on where you're at in your maturity level. So if you have grown as a Christian over a long period of time and you've, you know, been transformed over time, 
I think spiritual disciplines come a little bit easier to you as you mature in Christ than they do when you're brand new as a believer. And if you're, you know, Paul talks about this too. He, he's, he's actually chiding, making fun of, giving a hard time to uh, a group of believers where he basically says, you guys, you should be further along than you are. You haven't spent the time that I was away from you growing in your faith. You are still believers who are hooked on milk and not haven't transitioned to meat. Right? Mm-hmm. And he talks about that. And I, I believe a lot of us are toddler Christians, whether we've been Christians for two years or 10 years, and we're not ready for God to just pour out what he wants to say. We're like, yeah, totally. he's just letting the drip. He's just like giving you just a little bit because it's all you can handle. And <clears throat> maybe that's not satisfying to people, but it's almost like tailored to your maturity level. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's a muscle. Like yeah. you have to work it. This is not a like Steve Rogers take the serum turn into <laughs> Captain America. Um, but like you have to go to the gym every day and work out that muscle group. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I can't hear from God because it involves working out. <laughs> <at the gym. laughs> we just fixed it. That's that got one the, foot, guys. Yeah. Sorry, I can't, I can't do it. This involves exercise. I'm out. I can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I also think that it is tailored to us depending on our uh, maturity level. And some of the wisest people I know, you know, and this is what I want you to to think about. Okay, what kind of question are you asking? Okay, because I think a lot of times when you're a toddler, you're asking why. Why God? Why God? Why God? Mm-hmm. And you think about a time and a toddler. If you've been a parent or you've watched kids or you've yeah. been around kids, like that's all they say when they're three years old. But why? But why? But why? You know? And, you know, I don't know. Like at some point you get tired of actually answering the question and what do you say as a, as a parent or a caregiver or whatever? What, what's the answer that you give that toddler? Because I said so. Right. Like because <laughs> I'm your dad. Is. Yeah. Right. Or like I'm in charge. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then I think a lot of people, that's their relationship with Jesus. They're like, but why did this happen? But why is this thing? But why? what about this? Well, what about that? And their relationship with Jesus is just essentially them feeling like he says, because mm. I'm in charge. Yeah. And what I'm saying is you got to move past that stage. If you feel like you can't hear yeah. from God, like it's about your maturity as a believer. Mm. You're still asking why all the time. And the wisest Christians that I know, this is something I was thinking about. They don't ask why almost ever. I've known some incredibly mature Christians who've come, you know, gotten cancer, um, had some horrific things happen in their life, have lost children. Like, they don't ask why. They ask what. Mm-hmm. They say, yeah. God, what do you want to teach me through this? Or they say, what are you, uh, you know, what are you doing? What would you like to use this for in my life? Or they ask, you know, what are you doing in the world around me that this is going to be something that I'll eventually be able to use for other mm-hmm. people? They get beyond the why question because they're mature enough to know that it's not the right question. Yeah. The, the, you got to move beyond the why question. Yeah, and I think some of those uh, mature Christians in my life that don't ask the question why anymore, it's because they know the answer. <laughs> you know, like, the answer is because God knows what he's doing and we oftentimes don't, you know. And, or we just don't have, we don't see a, enough of the big picture to understand why and why it's happening, you know? And so I, you know, being in ministry for 19 years, like having, you know, walked, you know, side by side with many people, students, families, individuals, couples, through all sorts of different things, life issues, death, you know, disease, 
loss of job, all of these things, loss of, you know, relationships, marriages falling apart. They get so focused on that issue, that thing, whatever it is, and then they lose sight of the bigger picture of, of God's working, you know, the ins and the outs and the befores, the afters, you know, all that stuff. Like, and it makes total sense why they get stuck on the why, but they conveniently aren't asking the what, like you're suggesting, because they feel like they can't get to what until they know the why. And, and the why, the reality of it is oftentimes too simple and maybe even insulting to move past, which is God knows what he's doing and we just don't have the ability to understand, you know, right here. We might in a couple of years look back, hindsight, yeah. and be able to see it, um, but we sure can't. We have a really hard time seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think it's present. hard to admit that we don't need to know the why. Mm-hmm. That, like, we can move forward, we can take steps in whatever God has put in front of you without knowing the why. Mm-hmm. But selfishly, childlike we want to know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, it's like I get to a level where my trust is trust level is so high with God that I don't need to ask the question or know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know why the world is stained with sin. Yeah. People's wills are at work. Like, there's an evil one doing all kinds of terrible things. Like, I, I have a list of things in my head that tell me why. But then I also get to a point where I trust God and I just go like, and I obviously say this a lot, but like I would do the same thing God would do if I had all the information God has. Mm-hmm. If I was in his position and I could see everything unfolding in real time, I would make the same calls. And then that doesn't help somebody who's really struggling, who's lost a loved one or who's has cancer or who's like going through like a you know, difficult season of uh, fertility or mm-hmm. like someone who's got broken relationships in their family. Like those things doesn't help you have that list of whys in your head you know what i mean like you just find a another gear of when you're a wise christian a mature christian you just find another gear of going like i just trust god enough i have enough faith that i don't have to have closure here or understand what's happening and even if he takes me or it doesn't work out the way i want or the search page come back comes back empty Mm -hmm. yeah then I can still move forward in my relationship with God. It's not going to crush me. But I think when you're a toddler Christian, mm-hmm. you're a brand new Christian or somebody who hasn't really moved past that like initial stage of being a Christ follower, like all you ask is why and you're frustrated. You may need to step back and go, I'm not mature. And the way that you get mature is you work on a relationship with Jesus. You, you spend time in his word. You spend time building some of these habits of being in prayer and, spending time with him and you know like these are things that don't happen quickly exactly they happen slowly over time just the same way that you would be in a relationship with a real person Mm -hmm. like absolutely if you're gonna try to woo a husband or wife or you have a best friend or you have a parent that you want to keep your relationship like you tend that thing Mm -hmm. you work on it you text back and forth you you know you spend time together and i don't think people have really done that and so they're like well I don't hear from God. And you're like, well, you don't really have the foundation of a relationship. And yeah. he's only giving you a little bit at a time because you're not mature enough to really understand or him to give you more than that. Well, yeah. And spoiler alert, even when you become more mature in your faith, God still doesn't give you a whole lot more. <laughs> like, the the percentage of what he actually gives us as far as revealing his character, his workings, his will, it's just a fraction. 
of, of what the big picture is. Uh, back to you know something you had said a little bit earlier a minute ago. It sounds like what you're asking us to do is to take that faith word literally and like <laughs> just trust, right? Um, and it's hard. Trusting is hard when you don't have the answers right in front of you, and, and that that's hard. Well, and trusting also is built on relationship. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it all comes back to the <laughs> totally. same. Well, I think too, like uh, not to tell the entire story, but for me and even for my wife Jessica the faith aspect of our relationship with God became the most real for us when we were going through our season of infertility, which led into our adoption process, which led to us bringing our kids home and, uh, beginning to end even, you know, it hasn't ended yet. We're still, they're five now and we're parents and we love them still. Everything's going great. Uh, I, I have said at many different points uh, along this journey, like, all right, God, I will never, doubt you again i might be frustrated i might not understand i might question but i won't Mm -hmm. doubt you know and it's because i've had this very powerful very real experience that has really shaped my relationship with god and that's not to say that every christian has to have a powerful experience to forge a relationship with god but my version of that my flavor of that has been this experience of becoming a father and and bringing kids home through adoption and uh you know would love to be able to tell that story in its entirety at some point, several podcasts later. But the point is, is that I think that's part of what makes us mature is when we use the faith word, oftentimes in Christianity, that becomes like synonymous with Christianity itself. Like faith is the religion (coughs) and it's true, but people don't really understand how literal that is. Like you got to trust, you got to trust. Yeah. They, they would say faith is discipline. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, faith is relationship. (laughs) Yeah, like it's built by trust. The trust is built by Absolutely. also seeing God do things that are outside of what you expected, and it mm-hmm. causes you to trust Him more. Yeah, right. Like if at the beginning of that journey, you would not have chosen the way that that ended. I had no idea. Right, <laughs> and yet you could see His hand at work through the whole thing. Yeah, and now that you have two beautiful children, and you've gone through this whole process, you wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't change a thing. Right. Yeah. So. I think, like, as we are able to lean in in relationship with him, that's where that trust, faith gets built. Yeah. By the way, it's okay if you don't have faith. Like, mm-hmm. there are plenty of people in Scripture who have very little faith, and Jesus even says, like, you don't need much. Like, I'll meet you where you're at. Absolutely. You don't need to feel like a terrible Christian because you have no faith. You need to keep seeking after God. That's the that's the point that we're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when we use the language we use around like baptism and conversion, we say like accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, asking him into your heart. You know what I mean? Like this is kind of um, flowery words, basically like just raising your hand saying, all right, God, I believe in you and I'm willing to start trusting you, even though I don't know what that's going to look like. You know, it's pretty simple things, but what you're saying is absolutely true, that Jesus has made it so... Uh, he's taking care of all the heavy lifting aspects right. of yeah. of forgiveness and of grace that we just got to take that one small step and, and and then just buckle in for the ride. Yeah, it's like going over the threshold or like I'm going to hike to the top of this mountain. It's like the first step on the trail. <laughs> and if you're like, cool, took a step. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just going to park it here for the rest of the day. You never get the view. Yeah. You know, like this is something that you continue to do and it keeps continuing to get better. Absolutely. As you get deeper in relationship with Jesus. Yeah, and back to Megan's uh, exercise illustration. I mean, 
for anyone who has ever exercised, like when you go on the treadmill. Why did you look at me like that? I, you guys can't see how he looked at me. He was like, for anyone who's ever exercised. Wink. No, I was looking at my reflection in the mirror of the TV behind you, realizing like I need to exercise. Um, no, it's if you want to get on the treadmill and go five miles, you've got to take that first step. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah no i i think that's 100 percent right mm-hmm. so okay so let me get us back on track uh our posture needs to be one of seeking and we need to look at our maturity level and decide if we're going to try to hear from god or have this relationship with god we need to continue to get more mature and work on this relationship and i don't mean in a religious sense i don't mean do more crap Check check more things off the book. Yeah. Like I don't mean yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My I never want the I never want your takeaway to be like, I need to be more religious. That is not what we're saying. <laughs> like you need to be more present w- in relationship with God. I want to talk specifically about God's way of speaking because I think a lot of times we have this idea that He's gonna speak audibly to us. He does that in the Old Testament, but like again, I was, we started talking about the beginning. I don't believe he very often audibly speaks to people. Um, I don't think he needs to. Well, I'll get to that in a minute, why I don't believe that's necessary. But um, even beyond that, the Bible lays out this idea that Jesus, uh, his voice, God's voice through the Holy Spirit, is a still, small voice. We famously see in the Old Testament, it's a still, small voice. And I kind of feel like if we're seeking after God, we need to come with the understanding that he's not going to compete for our attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard that phrase like Jesus is a gentleman. God's a gentleman. He's not going to push his way into your life. He's a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. But yeah, <laughs> right. Like he's he's not going to fight his way into your life because that that comes down to an idolatry issue. Like what is most yeah. important to you? What are you listening to? What are you paying attention to? I can't even begin to explain how uh i don't know uh, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail but just how disappointed i am with how much people are listening to like just tons of commentary about politics or sports or you know whatever the big thing in their life is right now it's politics because we're in a political season and they're just listening to you know, this podcast, there was an hour a day. I listened to an hour a day. I listened to seven hours a week of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And this is why I listen to you. And then I watched this video on YouTube and I listen. you know, if you add up the hours of things they're listening to from other people, you'd be like, and then they spend 15 minutes praying to God a week. And yeah. they're like, I can't, yeah. can't hear his voice. Like, yeah, because he's not going to fight for your attention. Mm-hmm. You have a functional idol. You're actually listening to something that is, you know, is going to be uh, affecting your worldview mm-hmm. and allowing that thing to impress upon you uh, thoughts, actions, ideas, things that are going to well up in you. It's going to create, uh, in a lot of cases, situations I've been in personally with friends, creates anger in you, creates frustration in you, creates all kinds of, and you're like, and I can't, I can't hear God. <laughs> this yeah. is yeah. like, you have a functional idol. You've yeah. spent no time in a relationship with Jesus. And then, you know, you're expecting to hear this still small voice. He's not going to fight for your attention. Mm-hmm. God doesn't do that. He goes, you put me first. You spend time in my presence. You come to me saying, I'm going to push everything else out of the way. And then you hear a still small voice. Mm-hmm. 
even then you're like, is this God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Scripture tells us over and over again that God is not about forcing a relationship, you, you know, on us. He's not like <laughs> muscles way into your life and be like, hey, I'm here. You got to pay attention to me now. Like, it's um, he's about he's in Scripture about removing those barriers to a relationship, and then setting it up in as easy a transaction as possible. You know, Jesus again doing the heavy lifting of die on the cross for our sins, and then we just have to accept that salvation, accept that grace in order to have that relationship. But, you know, you look at our modern culture and how we have set ourselves up for a disservice. We're very consumeristic. We don't want to interact with people. We just want to listen, and we just want to consume what's put in front of us. You know, there's a lot of talk now, especially when it comes to politics, about, like, information silos and feedback loops and, you know, confirming our own biases and things like that. It's very counterintuitive. It's the opposite of what God wants for us when it comes to not politics, but when it comes to a relationship with him. He wants us to interact. He wants us to grab literally hold of his hand, you know, grab the the baton of the relationship and take it and run with it. He doesn't want us to just sit there and <laughs> do nothing, right? Because we don't have the attention span for that. And that's not how a relationship works. You don't just sit there and stare at your spouse or your best friend. Like you interact, you do things, you have, you have shared experiences, conversations, debates, you share thoughts and ideas, commonality. And that's what a relationship is with God. And so in the context of, of communication, of prayer, of listening, even though we talk a lot about how prayer is listening for God's gentleman voice, um, it takes a lot more than that to get to that <laughs> place. so weird. Uh, I, I was trying to for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Creep. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just threw you totally off. Sorry, Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. Look, look, I want to go back because like, sure. you mentioned listening. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's the funniest thing in my mind because all we're doing is firing up something that mm-hmm. is just going to uh, agree with how we already felt mm-hmm. and going to stronghold, you know, sort of put us even more dug in on something. And it's like, we're not really listening. Like we're, yes, I have something in my ears. I'm listening to something. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about whatever topic it is that I love. You know, um, you'd, it'd be a great deep dive if you went through my YouTube and looked at the crazy things that I watch or listen to. Marty makes fun of me all the time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I watch this guy who like goes uh, on his kayak to these like deserted islands and lives for like, like, like three days. And he goes and fishes from the ocean and eats all of his food. Like, I don't know why I love that. I'm never going to do, I have none of those skills at all. Sure. It's not like I'm learning anything. I'm just like, I'm just like, this guy's awesome. And he speaks with an Australian yeah. accent and I'm, I'm hundred percent in. And he speaks to himself all the time. Rod, you can do better than that, Rod, you know? Uh, anyways, yeah. so <laughs> we we're listening, but we're not really listening. Like I think, uh, creating space and having emptiness to listen for God's still small voice is a completely different skill that does not get um, built in any other way in the life around us. Mm-hmm. Everything else is making noise, and we're deciding what to tune into, but actually creating space for there to be no noise and to, like, tune in. You know, you think of, like, a like an old radio, you know, like you... My kids have no idea. I tried to explain this to my son. You twist the knob, you know, you get to the station and you can hear it kind of coming in and coming out. Like it takes time for you probably to like be okay being silent, listening for God, asking a specific question and sitting in his presence until Mm -hmm. something starts to move inside of you. And even then you're going to go, is this God speaking? Mm -hmm. Because it's a still small voice. 
Yeah. And I think part of, you know, maybe part of if there is a problem that someone has with listening, it's we, we are using these words like voice and listening, God speaking, and that's not always in words, right? It's, it can be a feeling. It can be, you know, I feel like oftentimes how God speaks to me is through other people. Like I have conversations and I, people I trust, people who are full of wisdom and experience and they tell me something and I'm like, okay, that is confirming what I felt like God was pointing me towards, but I wasn't sure, you know? And so that's one of those things. Another thing I was going to say too, before I let you move on to the next point is as a parent, like I am very in tune with my child's voice. We could be in a crowd and I can discern, I can pick out their voice among other children's voices. I know if they're asking for help, if I hear them crying, I know the sound of their voice, right? Mm -hmm. What makes listening for God so hard, especially for those younger Christians, is they haven't quite grasped onto like, what does God's voice sound like? What does that feeling feel like? Because there's so many other competing voices that are like, not just white noise, they are aggressively trying to get our attention. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to pick that out, especially if you're a younger Christian or a less mature Christian. You have not a ton of experience listening to God's voice, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I think, too, like, it's also funny, like, because the opposite analogy is true with, like, my kids. Like, they have, their ears are, like, they don't have my specific tone and pitch. It's like I, when I speak, it's like my lips move, but no, nothing comes out. They just conveniently don't hear me, right? Yeah. They could be staring well, straight at you. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think that that, for younger Christians, like those five-year-old Christians, whatever, you know, to use the analogy of my kids, like God is talking, he is speaking, the spirit is moving, but we don't know how we to hear, hear it yet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's about that posture piece, too, of, of learning how to listen. Yeah. As it's not just with our ears. <laughs> and learning how to be quiet. I think as a society, the idea of quiet has completely gone out the window. Um, my grandpa had hearing aids from the war, and he would, like, turn them off if we were at, like, a fa- family gathering and people had just been talking for too long. And he'd be like, it's just been it's been noise too long. I just need some quiet. <laughs> but, like, he grew up on a farm during the Great Depression and spent most of his day out working in a field by himself. So, like, he was used to quiet. There wasn't always a phone to play music or, like, the TV on in the background or something like that where there was just constant noise. Like, we're not good at complete quiet. It is funny. I was reading something. I can't even remember at this point where that was. But the person was talking about how does God speak to us? And he was saying, like, sometimes people who are, like, runners will talk about, like, how they get to a place where all of a sudden they're, like, there's this thing that happens to them as they're running and they're kind of alone and they're out there and they're just kind of pounding pavement and the like methodical piece of it turns into this like spiritual thing or absolutely somebody who's like a swimmer. They're like in a pool. There's no devices. They're just sort of alone in their head. And you know, then you're like, Hey, I could clearly think about this thing or hear this thing. And I do think like there's something about (laughs) being completely disconnected. And I know in my world, it's really hard. Like there's not a place in my house where I have a place to be disconnected Mm -hmm. um, with kids and, you know, like relationships there and just all the stuff that's there. It's really hard. Um, you know, it's funny cause there are days when I'll come in here and no one's here cause most of our employees are part-time and they're, I'm full-time. Yeah. So I'm here every day. And mm-hmm. there are days where no one, none of the part-time staff is here. And it's like, I, I don't like being alone cause I'm an extrovert. I like being with people, but those are the days where I can like yeah. really spend time hearing. Also happens to me a lot when I'm in the car 
just by myself. There's kind of the droning. I'll turn off mm-hmm. and then spend time listening. I think like you you have to find a place to like be devoid of hurry, mm-hmm. not have a device, not have inner interaction with you know no one's kind of breaking into it, and like people are uncomfortable with that. Like if I let this podcast go silent for a minute, everyone turns it off. <laughs> yeah, like we we. It's just like we among other reasons. <laughs> that, guy's a, that guy's a dork. I don't want to listen to him. Uh, <clears throat> so, the question is, how do we in those moments know that this is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? And so, I have a couple of thoughts here. Uh, just one thing, quick. Yeah, it, kind of what you're talking about makes me think of maybe a better word for us to be using in this context is not listening, but focusing, hmm. because listening or being still, being quiet doesn't necessarily mean being isolated in a spot where it's quiet and you're alone, right? I'm a former hunter. I used to hunt in my younger days. I uh, <laughs> married into a family that was not super cool with that, so I kind of retired from hunting <laughs> oh, no. 15 years ago. Um, that's okay. But one thing that I miss, specifically with deer hunting, is I, mm. I remember being in the deer stand, like opening weekend, early morning, my favorite part about hunting yeah and like after it takes it took me about 15 minutes but like it took me about 15 minutes to like get comfortable in the stand get everything where i needed it to be and to actually quiet my brain and it felt like my soul and be able to just be still and focus on the nature that was happening around me and once you actually get to that place it's actually super loud like there's a ton of stuff going on there's branches and leaves rustling there's little critters moving around like squirrels and stuff like but you get to a spot where you can literally hear a deer walking up towards you, right? Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I always thought of that as like just being quiet and listening. But like I said, nature is not quiet. It's super loud. There's a ton yeah. of stuff going on. But then I kind of got in this notion of like, I'm actually just in a spot where I'm actually able to focus yeah. on it, right? You've and I've learned th- the sounds of like, yeah, oh, that's a mouse yeah. down there or like, that's a red that's squirrel. A bird. Yeah. <laughs> in case you didn't know, mice are louder than deer. Yeah. You hear a noise and you're like, oh, surely that's a deer. No, nope, it's a tiny little squirrel or something. Um, but yeah, you've yeah. focused enough. So I think too, like part of, like, I think what we're getting at here is it's not so much just being quiet, even though that is a posture that is helpful or can be helpful. But for some people, like if you have ADHD, that is painful. Like quiet is painful. Mark's raising his hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. painful, right? So like your form of quiet is is more focus, like you're focusing in on God. People think I'm nuts, but I've shared this obviously with you guys before. But when before pre-pandemic, because obviously everything in our life that was good was pre-pandemic. Uh, I used to go on Mondays. I'm an extrovert. I'm a hardcore extrovert. I'm totally ADHD. Like I, you know, I need like think of the most extroverted person <clears throat> you know, and then go a little bit more. <laughs> That's I'm not balanced at all. I'm 100 percent extrovert. <laughs> Um, so this is really hard for me. And if you're thinking this is really hard for you, it's not as hard for you as it is for me. I can guarantee you that 100%. Um, but what I would do is, and I get made fun of for this, I would go to Mall of America, throw in my noise-canceling headphones, and just walk around the mall and pray. I know it sounds crazy because people don't like crowds. I need to be around people. But honestly, the noise-canceling headphones, it was like a surreal experience to just be standing around in there not hearing anybody but seeing them being around them and what's funny is that like my prayers my prayer time would lead me to people in the mall and would lead me to praying for you know evangelistically almost Mm -hmm. like 
and then I'd be like seeing people that brought other people to mind and I'd be praying for them. Like there was a method to that madness. And so, yes, hunting sounds like the most boring, obnoxious thing in the entire <laughs> world. I know you guys love it, but yeah. I, I literally couldn't sit in that chair long enough to be still enough for that deer to come stalking up on me. Like there's just no way like, but mm-hmm. I get it. Like everyone's going to have a different way. But that focus thing, like if everyone could find uh, or tuning in the dial, if you're talking about the radio, yeah. like mm-hmm. finding that place to really like focus and then to ask a specific question, a what or how question, not a why question yep. is often the other piece of that. Because mm-hmm. I just don't think God very often answers a why question. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. we're mature enough to understand the answer. You know, I think you mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. We're just not there. I just want to point out, too, that it's not just extroverts that focus or have a hard time with complete silence as a hardcore introvert um, on the opposite end of the spectrum as Mark. Like, I struggle with that, too, of just, like, complete quiet, like, with nothing. Um, So it's just about figuring out your balance. But I think, like, an introvert might have a book, which would – it's not – it's still quiet, but then your brain has noise. You're – you're reading something. Yeah. You're focusing. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes when we think of quiet, though, we think of, like, this stark white room with, like, <laughs> nothing in it where you can just sit and, like, Soundproof. meditate for yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not a realistic for, thing for, for a young For most parent. people, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, there were just – it's so opposite of what we're used to every day that your brain would just go crazy. But, like, mm-hmm. the shower. Yeah. The car. Yep. On your morning drive, yeah. on a walk around the neighborhood. Yes. Like walk. a walk through the park with the kids. Perfect. Or something like that. Just figure out what your mode is. Like where do you have that time? Where can you build that in to really lean in and focus in those moments? What's your sweet spot? Yeah. Your sweet spot for focusing. I mean, back when being in coffee shops was the thing. <laughs> back in the old world. <laughs> Pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh I mean that I could focus there. I mean, I mean, I mean, I remember in college, like you put me in a library, it was like just trail of tears. Like I could not focus. <laughs> uh, in there, but you put me in like a restaurant yeah, or, a shop yeah, or a something. Perkins at two in the morning with like lobby people. Yeah, college student center, like coffee shop. If there's movement, like yeah. and there's a little bit of just I don't know what it is because like for I'm sure there's people listening to this. They're like, oh my goodness, that is the least like productive environment for focusing. <laughs> so I think the moral of the story here is that everyone's different. Everyone has yeah. a different sweet spot yeah. to be that spiritual hunter, to find, you know, their Holy spirit. <laughs> I don't know, maybe taking it too far. We're both but laughing at you. Yeah, it's true, <laughs> but it's a good analogy. <laughs> I love it. Spiritual. I love it. I'm there. Yeah. Where is your tree stand? That's right. <laughs> yeah. We don't have any candles in here burning right now. We probably should be for this conversation. But Okay. <laughs> so you get into that spot. You ask that specific question, a what or how question, not a why question. And then you hear something or you have something impressed upon you or you have a feeling. And then you're like, is that the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Right. Let's just say you get to that place because I, I feel like that's really probably where we struggle because we go, no, that's probably me. That's not probably from the Holy Spirit. That's me. Because now my thought, I'm alone in this. I'm asking God. I'm listening for a still small voice. And now it's like, how do I know I can trust this? Is this God? And so I'm going to give you a couple of handles to figure out if this is God. First, God doesn't speak to us in ways that go against his word. Mm -hmm. And in fact, his word is the first place we should go when we are trying to discern his will. Right. So if you say, like, God, I need to make a decision about this big thing in my life or God, I, I need you to explain or, you know, we ask one of those hard questions like, 
you know, uh, what do you want me to know while I'm watching my loved one suffer? Or what do you want me to do about this broken relationship? You're asking a what question or a how question. How do you want to use this in my life? What is this for? Like, we're asking those questions and we feel like something is kind of coming through. Then we ask the question, it's not going to go against his word. And the first place to start is in his word, is understanding his character, his promises. Like, these are the things that we are, he speaks to us through his word and we don't just mean like, this is a whole nother conversation that we could have. Like this would be a, a rabbit hole to go down that would probably be useful at some point, but his word speaks not only there were words spoken to people in real time thousands of years ago, there have been, his word has spoken faithfully to generations since then. And I believe his word speaks to us every time we open it up. Like there's layers of how God speaks through his word. That's why we say it is alive and active Mm -hmm. and that it cuts us to the bone. Like it gets to the point. It tells us what to believe, what the foundations are. So we start with that idea. We start with wherever the scripture has led us in that moment. But then there's going to be questions that aren't going to have like specific answers. And then we go to God and we ask that what or how question and we feel like he's talking to us. Whatever is said in that moment, if you're trying to discern if that's the will of God or if that's God speaking to you, he doesn't go against his word. So Mm -hmm. if he's telling you something that goes directly against what his scripture says, you can throw that one out. That's me. Yeah. Right? Or Satan. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation about (laughs) can Satan put things in our head? Yeah. Um, can I Satan? Re- I really feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to embezzle money right now. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Holy Spirit's telling me that I should lie about this, yeah. or I should yeah. be passive aggressive about it. Like, no, I think that's a pretty like uh, it's a great square one for right. sure. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think too. Oh, good. I just think I think that's going to funnel out a lot. Yeah. Like. Yeah. That's... Is Is this from God or me? Mm-hmm. Is not from God if it's right. going against His word. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Then I would say, you mentioned this one, Aaron, before, um, and this, I think, happens a lot on the bigger questions. Should I do this or should I not do this? There's also a whole other podcast about uh, us making decisions in the freedom that God has given us and whether or not there's a path that we have to stay on. And if we make a wrong decision, are we off of that path? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cliff's notes, no, as long as you're being... Spoiler alert. Yeah, as long as you're being faithful in your relationship with God, as long as you have prayed about it, as long as you are being faithful to his word... He gives us freedom to make decisions. Yeah. Uh, but you can ask other people for that you trust who are wise for their input. You can mm-hmm. ask your pastor, mm-hmm. hey, just go ahead and text me. Mm-hmm. Here's what I feel like God's speaking to me on. Yep. Do you think this is good? And yeah. I'm going to go, no, you're being an idiot. Like, are you joking <laughs> me? Like, I don't think God would tell you to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, or I'm going to be like, yeah, that sounds like yeah. right up the alley. Like, that sounds like you're being faithful and in what you're hearing or what God's speaking to you. Like yeah. I would say, move forward take a step on that. Yeah. Um, the other one that I would love to use when I'm trying to discern God's will is the Holy spirit. When it speaks to you should produce more of the fruit of the Holy spirit in your life. Mm-hmm. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When God speaks to you through his Holy spirit, those things should increase. Mm-hmm. This thought should give you joy, bring you peace, make you more patient, make you kinder, make you more mm-hmm. good, more faithful, more gentle, have more self-control. If the Holy Spirit is telling you something that brings you anxiety, 
or fear, a lot of times you have to question that. Now, <clears throat> God asks us to do crazy things that do bring us anxiety and fear. The question is whether that's oh, like reasonable to have anxiety or fear over that. Mm-hmm. Now, and I'll give a, a personal example because I am one of those crazy people that when I walk into a new space, I always ask the question, God, what are you doing here? Like, what is it that you want from me? So, mm-hmm. like, I do it in restaurants. I do it at the mall, airports. Forget it. I'm going to – I'm like, everyone here is an opportunity to talk about the gospel. I'm the crazy person. Evangelism is one of my spiritual gifts. So, to me, I walk into a new space and I go, who am I supposed to share the gospel? I assume mm-hmm. Jesus brought me there. Yeah. To share the gospel with someone. And I ask the question, what are you doing here? And what do you want me to do about it? And I often will, you know, do something that would bring plenty of people fear and anxiety. (laughs) Megan's raising her hand. (laughs) Where I would talk to a complete stranger about a specific topic or ask them a question or do something that I feel the Holy Spirit is impressed upon my spirit. Yeah. A lot of people are like... I am so uncomfortable with that idea. <laughs> I'm out, by the way, if that's what I need to do. That's what some people are saying yeah. right now. Um, I'm not telling you that has to be you. I'm just explaining to you that's one of my spiritual gifts, and that's a lot of times what God is asking me to do would, would bring you fear and anxiety. But what the Spirit generally does is will create more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, mm-hmm. not less of it, and it won't be fear-based or anxiety-based. Now, you have to discern whether you should just get over that that yeah. shouldn't bring you fear yeah. and anxiety. Is that a comfort zone thing? <clears throat> right. Like, are you feeling anxiety because God is asking you to step out of your comfort zone? Because that's 100% something he will do. Yeah. Or is it yeah. fear based on something else that's, like, completely outside of something God would ask you to do? Right. Like, and that's going back to the word to yeah. discern the difference between those two things. Yep. Should I be afraid about boldly proclaiming God's word? Yeah. I know in my head I shouldn't be. Hmm. Now, like... That's a most but people, that might make you anxious. Yes. Which, yeah. What I'm saying <laughs> yeah. though is that should knowing the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about that mm-hmm. should actually give you like peace. Like mm-hmm. shouldn't understand yeah. that like God is actually like trying to reach this person using me mm-hmm. and you shouldn't have anxiety over it. But you should know that based on the word of God. Totally. Yeah. And so I think like under this banner of discernment, it's it's an understanding that that's not always going to be like super comfortable. Mm. There might be aspects yeah. of it that yeah. are anxiety, a source of anxiety or not comfortable or frustrating yeah. or sad, you know. Right. But, you know, one of the wisest words of wisdom that uh, was ever given to me, and I think it perfectly applies to what we're talking about here, is that in any situation, in under any question, any, you know, like decision choice, you essentially, if you boil it down, you're either moving towards God or you're moving away from God. And I think that's the case, like when you talk about the fruit of the spirit, like, are you moving towards joy? Are you moving towards peace, which are characteristics of God? Those are things, those are products of, of having a relationship with God. Or are you moving in the opposite direction? doesn't mean that you'll be void of those negative things. That might be part of the equation somehow or somewhere. Uh, you know, we, we've we talked a lot this year because of COVID of like, you know, there's 400,000 deaths in this country. There's a lot of people suffering through grief and loss. There are going to be a lot of aspects of that grief and loss that are going to be sadness, <coughs> depression, anxiety, stress, worry, fear, hopelessness. But that doesn't mean you're moving away from God. 
you know, if you're moving towards God, you might still be experiencing those things in some way, shape, or form. But you're still, your discernment process is drawing you closer to God, closer to his will, closer to his character, closer to what those things mean for you. And so I think if that's if that's the, the filter or the metric that which you're using to discern, it's really hard to go wrong if you're saying to yourself, is this causing me to move towards God or move away from God? So. Okay, so more more fruit of the Spirit. Um, asking God, God's people that you trust, people that are wise for their input. God doesn't go against his word. Um, this other one is just one I found, you know, <clears throat> my inner dialogue is confident. <laughs> so, Shocker. So, what? No. Yeah, so... Um, this one's a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but as I've talked with people, a lot of people, they've said this is a hang up for them. And I think like a lot of times our mind condemns us pretty regularly. We say like, I'm stupid or that was dumb or I shouldn't have done that. Or, and we ask the question, is God speaking to me? A lot of times you need to understand that the way God speaks to you is life giving, not self condemning. Mm. And is hopeful and is pushing you in the direction of being uncomfortable or for your own benefit. And I think like if you are in that place of saying, is God saying this to me or am I saying this to me? If it's self-condemning, you can say this is not the words of God Mm -hmm. in our lives. Now, on the flip side of that, this is where it hits me. uh, I have to go if the self-talk that's going on in my head is too full of bravado or thinks too highly of itself or whatever, that's called pride. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I have to go, maybe that's not from God either because he wouldn't, you know, his words wouldn't create more pride in me. They would be more, create more humility in me as well. So those are like two things I think people on opposite sides struggle with when you're talking about hearing what's actually going on in your head and like, is this God speaking or is this me speaking? Any thoughts on there? Like, <laughs> I think, you know, like Jeremiah 29, 11 comes to mind of God, you know, the Lord says like, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, give you hope for a future. You know, they're not to harm you. And so I think that's what you're saying essentially is that as you're weighing that in your own mind, <laughs> is this coming from God or coming from me? Uh, God's not going to harm you. You know, and so that also means that he doesn't want you to harm yourself and, and do something that is reckless or dangerous or beat up on yourself, you know, because of pride or whatever else, you know. Uh, one constant in this entire equation is we're still not perfect. <laughs> you know, so no matter how much we practice these things, we work on these things. That's why we make the big bucks. That. <laughs> yeah. But that you're not perfect, guys. <laughs> Write it down. Yeah. The but there is that that there is freedom in that as well. Like we don't have to be perfect. And, you know, we started this conversation by knowing that by saying like, God knows exactly where we're at and he's not going to give us too much, but he won't give us too little, you know? And so you have to understand all both sides of that as well. And I think it's important too, to look at the motivation. Like if God is, if you feel like God is telling you something, the motivation behind that, is it to build yourself up? Is it to further God's kingdom like these are the checks and balances that you can use mm-hmm. to to like weigh things. Hundred um, like, percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, is God telling me I'm great so that I should go 
speak to this group of people because I want my ego boosted Mm -hmm. and because like I'm so great. Shut up, Megan. Or (laughs) because he actually like he's giving you a word for that group of people to further his kingdom. Like, right. Yeah. I was, you know, I was, I don't know. Uh, this comes into play a lot with one of our values of being kingdom minded. And there's been a couple situations where we've been in where I know the answer to what I'm dealing with. Mm. The most kingdom minded choice would be to release this person or to share this resource or to be generous in this way as a church, as a leader. And yet I'm fighting it because there's something inside of me that goes, this won't further our kingdom. Mm -hmm. This will maybe further God's kingdom. Yeah. And I have to fight my way through my either my defensiveness or my lack of generosity or my, my I don't want to trust. Yeah. <laughs> and I need to get to the other side of that and say, nope, we're kingdom-minded. We're going to be generous. We're going to share the people, the stuff you've given us, the money. the Everything mm-hmm. I have is not mine. It's not ours. It's not pursuits. It's God's. It's God's kingdom. It's not mm-hmm. pursuits kingdom. And uh, same thing when it comes to listening to the Holy Spirit. I think, like, if it's self-serving yeah you might want to question that yeah yeah and it it kind of makes me think about like who are some of those like bible characters that were supremely confident in their like understanding of god's will like what the spirit was telling them what god was telling them like think of elijah you think of like maybe even david like when he killed goliath like these are people they were so in tune with the spirit so in tune with god they were just confident they knew that what they were doing, what they were acting on, the decisions they were making were perfectly in line with God. Um, that's not to say that we can't attain that, because we definitely can. Right. Um, but it's also, you know, kind of getting back to one of the earlier questions that you had asked, this notion of just because we ask a question, God will answer it. He just might not answer it the way we were expecting him to. Mm-hmm. Might be completely out of left field, might be completely whatever. So, you know, you're talking about like having this kingdom mind and focus. And I would say, like, God would be like, yeah, universally, I want whatever you're doing, Mark, as you lead this church, as you shepherd this church, to, like, benefit the kingdom at large. There might be situations where you think, like, 100%, this is what we're supposed to do. And God's like, mm, nope, why don't you go that way? <laughs> like, so it's all, it's, it's all, it feels like a moving target at times. Like, these principles, as true as they are, they're not always 100% universal. And that's, it kind of brings us back to where we started of, you got to trust that God's going to give you an answer. You got to trust that the Holy Spirit's talking to you and you have to listen for it because you can't just lean on your own understanding. You can't just lean on your own discernment, your own will, your own wisdom because we're not perfect. We're still humans. So, Yeah. Okay. This has been a lot of productive conversation. And honestly, like <laughs> yeah. this was sort of all setting up a piece of scripture I wanted to share, mm-hmm. which is just going to be tacked on here quickly at the end. But... I hope that this loosens something up, starts a conversation, a thought, something that causes you to have more conversation with other people, encourage them in it, seek something, uh, challenge yourself in some way, grow, yeah. uh, focus more on relationship. Like all of these things have been part of this conversation. Uh, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse uh, 10. So this is in a section where Paul's talking about wisdom and the Corinthians were super into the wisdom of the world. And Paul is is talking about like how the wisdom of the world kind of doesn't work, kind of falls down, that there's a spiritual realm to things that like is well beyond what they are seeking after. Right. So he gets to verse 10 in this section and he's kind of transitioning into this whole section about the spirit. He says, 
these are the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit. So he's talking about the difference between wisdom and things that have been revealed to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? He says, nobody can read your mind. You know, we, we put on a face for people. We project ourselves in a certain way. You know, if we have intimacy with people, we're going to be pretty transparent. But if we don't, we're going to project ourselves in a way that we want to be seen. But at the end of the day, like no one knows what's really going on in your head except you. This is, the, this is how he opens this section. He's like, your thoughts are only known by you. They're not known by anyone else. Everyone else can try to figure out what's going on in your head, but only you know what's really happening in your head. He says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So he, he basically says, the only one who knows God's thoughts is God, which makes sense because the only one that knows our thoughts is us. So he's giving you a good illustration, a good handle on how this, how this looks. He says, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So he says to unlock God's thoughts, we need to fully receive the Spirit and fully walk in that Spirit. And there's a struggle every day to fully walk in the Spirit of God. In fact, Paul tells us in another section to stay in step with the Spirit. Spirit's moving. Things are happening. God's creating his kingdom. He's making his world. You have a choice to be in step with the Spirit or to be in step with yourself every single day. And I would say, if you're like me, most days you're probably thinking about yourself not staying in step with the Spirit, right? This, as you become more mature, becomes easier and easier and more common and more, you know, and we've all known that crazy person that just, like, prays themselves in the middle of a like, talks to them. So, like, I'm not telling you got to be a weirdo, <laughs> but but there's a there's a, you know, when Jesus says, like, pick up your cross daily and follow me. There is a death to self every morning and a decision to pick up and put on the spirit every single day that's going to guide you in this process. And you have to die to yourself daily to be able to hear God's spirit. And that's the only thing here that Paul is saying, who knows the thoughts of God, right? He says, this is what, what we speak, not in the world's, in the words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught to us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them to be foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For he says, Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have found, sorry, but we have the mind of Christ in us. And Paul lays out this idea that there are these two things at war. There's the world's way, the world's words, the world's way of living, the world's wisdom. And you can choose that if you want. That's a viable option. I mean, all of this is based in this world of that God has created where he's given us free will. So you can choose your own thing if you want. That's part of what it means to be human. He's a gentleman. He's going to give us our free will if that's what we want. But there's this other side of the spectrum that gets open to us through this relationship with this God who lives within us. And if we want to know the mind of Christ, we use the Holy Spirit within us to have this communication with God. And the way I think about this is like, you want to know what the Holy Spirit is doing or what God is doing in your world. It's a spirit level 
decision to communicate with God that way. It doesn't necessarily have to be words. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, communication the way that we think about it. But it's on a spiritual level that we're talking about this. And so I think a lot of us, we're a toddler who is asking why all the time, who has no relationship yet that's really built, and we think God is just saying, because I said so. Or we find ourselves struggling with discerning what this voice is telling us. Like, let's say we're a little bit more mature down the road. We're hearing things, but we don't know if this is God's voice or our voice. Or let's say we're really mature, and we have a really developed relationship with Jesus, and we are actively all the time asking God, what are you doing and how are you using me? No matter what, the communication is on a spiritual level with the Holy through the Holy Spirit. And you're like, yeah, but I don't know. That sounds like a little bit like mystic or crazy or whatever. It's like, no, you believe in a spiritual realm. If you don't, why did you put your faith in Jesus? Like, Jesus, the way that salvation works is that you know, a, a God came and died on a cross for you, gave you this forgiveness, this mercy, and you've received it in a completely in a completely spiritual realm. We believe the Holy Spirit is active. We believe that, and we believe that there's an enemy. So why wouldn't you be able to find a way to communicate on that on that level with God? And I think like that is really where this is kind of going. How do I listen to the Holy Spirit or hear it? I develop that relationship. I take steps every day to kind of die to myself and ask God what he's doing. I understand this is not the world's wisdom, it's not the world's ways, that there is a, a spiritual world happening kind of below the surface of what I'm seeing with my eyes and, and, and interacting with all day that I need to sort of tap into. And that's where we start to commune with God in a way that he speaks to us. And often we're not listening, often we're not mature, often we're, you know, we're asking the wrong question, we're saying why instead of what or how. Um, these are all things that we could continue to take steps in. And when you feel like God has impressed upon you to do something, the next step for me is always to take a step in it. And I continue to like, you know, this is one of those moments where I'm like, okay, God, I have enough faith to take one step, but I'm going to need you to help me with the next one and the next one and the next one. And he meets you, often me specifically, if I can tell you my own thoughts, he meets me in the first step and in the second one and the third one. If he's telling me to go and have that conversation with that person or not leave that thing alone or make sure that I bring this up or make sure that I spend time fixing this or, you know, like I'm going to take one step and see how that ha- goes and think I've heard from God. And then he meets me in that place and then I'm going to take another little step and he meets me there. And before long, I'm listening to his spirit and he's met me in all those pieces along the way. So that's my encouragement to you. <laughs> What do you guys think? That's the end. That's what I. That's all I got. So, how are you feeling about that? I love it. <laughs> I no. I think um, if you're committed to the process and you're willing to try it, uh, even though you may not have received the results you've been hoping or looking for in the past, I mean that is the first step that you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit are meet, willing to meet you in, and just go from there. You're not perfect. No one is. Um, and so you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You just gotta try it, practice it, work that muscle, use the exercise analogy, figure out the ways that you can focus, and then you know have really good bits of discernment in your life, whether that's peers, you know, your spouse, a friend, family members, whoever, your pastor, 
you know, you're going to put this podcast out and you're going to get like 100 emails. People are like, hey, I've got this thing I've been trying to discern. <laughs> it's weird that we're going to get 100 emails from the three people who listen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, they're discerning. They're listening for the Holy Spirit in a lot of different ways. By the way, if you made it to the end of this podcast, you deserve a gold star. <laughs> so just uh, email us and we'll send you a gold star to your house, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I put a little Easter egg in the end. Someone makes it so any final thoughts, Megan? Yeah, I think... If we just remember that this is a lifelong learning thing, mm. there's no like you get there and you arrive and now you have it down and you're good and you don't have to work at this anymore. Like just keep taking steps, keep asking questions. I grew up in a really conservative church where like questions were like taboo and we weren't supposed to ask them. You were just supposed to trust the people telling you what to do and just do it blindly. Um, I'm very much against that. Ask questions. Um, call Mark up. Call me up. I'll have a chat with you. Call Aaron up. Um, ask questions. Keep taking steps. Keep working that muscle. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's the end of our podcast today. I know that was a little bit long. I'm not actually sure how long because we took a couple of breaks in the <laughs> middle of it. But, uh, yeah, we're going to try to put out a couple more of these. I'd like to interview uh, Aaron and Natalie and our new yet-to-be-named staff member that I can't ooh, ooh. tell you yet about. Um to, for you guys to get to know them a little bit. And then I have a couple of other thoughts of things we could talk through. But if you have a good idea for a podcast, something we should talk about, then let us know and we'll see what we can kind of throw together. So they won't all be this long. I may even break this into two pieces. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I love you guys, Pursuit, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>